You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that So if you can't tell, I'm not super into the whole let's sit and pout and moan about stuff. I gave my general assessment of the team. Uh, any looking back at this point is simply for the purposes of looking forward. Right? It's, it's, it's not to complain about anything. And I am pretty... Gall darn excited about that, because the goal from here on is going to be how do we make the team better? Not necessarily how do we, you know, get to 14 win season. How do we get better as a team? Because I'd rather win 10 games and limp into the playoffs as a wild card with a better team than to get a first round bye with a team that's really going to struggle against top tier talent. So how do we take that step? Also going to be sitting around and waiting for either news or rumors about the coaching staff or players. Um, pretty unlikely anything happens. However, if there is just absolute hatred for somebody, they're probably gone day one. And so we're at least past that uh, hatred with a passion of a thousand sons kind of thing. Like the whole Mike McCarthy, after this loss, I want to talk to you in my office. In other words, don't even go home and take your shoes off. we got to have a conversation about how you're never coming back here again. There was none of that but I definitely expect there to be some turnover as far as the coaching staff. Not necessarily because I think it's the biggest coaching problem in the world, but when you're getting beat up on like that, and, and it offensively and defensively, by the way, there's probably going to be a little turnover there, especially when you have newer coaches that are kind of just feeling this thing out. Matt LaFleur brought in some of his guys. First question, does he like those guys or does he want to move on? And then secondarily, not all these guys are guys that he brought on. So maybe just take a quick look at that. I had a few comments on what a lot of people are saying is a speed problem with the Green Bay Packers. I have some uh, comments about that. And then we've got a Facebook post filled with thoughts and feelings that I would like to address. If and you'd like to support the podcast for as little as a buck a month, we're talking about like a can of tuna. And that stuff doesn't even taste that good. Like by itself? Not if I don't have to. And I like to think this podcast is better than a can of tuna. I don't know. That's for you to decide. Jump on over to patreon.com slash pack underscore daddy and decide for yourself. Special thank you to Jeremy, Brock, Scott, and Grayson for jumping on board. We are 36 patrons away from getting that oh-so-special gift of having your own t-shirt designed and shipped out to you. So think it over. If you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star iTunes review, it would be greatly appreciated. Also acceptable, Stitcher reviews or any other kind of positive reviews to let people know that they should check out the podcast. Anywho's, let's take a break and we'll get right back into it. Over the last few days, I've heard of two different people going to Arizona. I've never heard of this in my life, 
until the last two days ago. Neither of them are from my direction, which at first upset me. When I heard about it, I was like, oh, you're going to see baseball? And they're like, oh, no, we got a, a horse thing we're doing. Somebody else has just taken va- a vacation. And after a few minutes of being offended, I realized, turns out Arizona's kind of a cool place to go. Turns out other people are already aware of this fact. I wasn't. Not until I started telling you folks about it. Turns out I was late to the party. It's where all the cool kids go, as well as moms with their kids. So this year, don't get left out. Don't be the only one that doesn't know where all the action is. Just hop on the team bus and follow the Brewers or whoever it is that you like out to Arizona for the Cactus League spring training. Don't actually get on their bus. That was that was that part was a joke. That will probably get you arrested. Jump on a different bus that you buy a ticket for, or just drive like a normal person, and enjoy some beautiful weather, some amazing landscapes, and see some awesome outdoor adventures. I said see some in case you want to just stand on the side and watch other people do it, because I don't know, maybe you're scared of that stuff. It's your vacation, man. You do what you want. Either way, plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. And while you're gone, if you're worried about what's going on at your house, because you're not there to protect it like a big, strong man, maybe look into Simply Safe Home Security because it's going to help protect your house. When you consider the cost of a vacation, 15 bucks a month is nothing to protect your stuff. And this is pretty high-level security. They got entry sensors, motion sensors, glass break sensors, and the sensors can even detect what is a normal sound and a not-so-normal somebody's breaking into my house sound. Also, not just break-ins, it's going to protect your house if there's a fire, water damage, carbon monoxide, and rather than just tell you about it and be like, hey, by the way, your house is burning down, it's going to alert people that can actually do something about it, like the fire department. Again, if you want to check it out, it's 15 bucks. They'll mail you out the stuff, it's super simple to install, which you could just pretend it's not simple, set it up, and be like, psh, I know how to do stuff. What, do you think, you married a dummy? Brain surgeon, son. So if you want to check it out, go to simplysafe.com slash overtime today to get a free shipping on your order, plus a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash overtime to save on home security today. Simplysafe.com slash overtime. All right, let's start with the speed thing. I wanted to mention this yesterday, but, you know, forgot, and I was sitting in a car where I had to migrate to because, you know, checkout's at 11, and I couldn't get out in time. It's a whole thing, but I have been hearing, and, and it's not like this is the first time, but one of the first things I started hearing after the loss was, we need more speed, we got beat by speed, 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 they have speed, everyone has speed, we're the only team that doesn't have speed, we need more speed, if only our linebackers had speed, I wish we had speed, boy oh boy, if we only had speed. I, I gotta be honest, as much as I used to love getting excited about athleticism, as a Packer fan, I have legitimately come to hate it. I'm so tired of it, I'm tired of hearing about it. If there's one word I don't want to hear even once during the draft process, it's a, it's a guy's spark score. I mean, I'll, I want to hear it, but if I find out that we drafted a guy that's not very good, however, he's super athletic, I'm gonna flip out a little bit, because I'm just tired of it. So, first things first. Number one, play speed and 40 time are not the same thing. So maybe when people are saying we need more speed, that's what they're talking about. And if so, that's fine. But we're talking about speed upstairs, right? Mental processing. I'm fine with that. But if we're going to sit here and pretend that the Packers defense doesn't have speed up against all these other offenses, I'm going to flip out because we have done nothing. I'm talking about since Colin Kaepernick gashed us in the playoffs. We have done nothing but draft speed on that defense. Not a single thing. You want to know who beat us up real bad in this game? It was a guy by the name of of Debo Samuel. 
Debo Samuel ran a 4-4-8. He's not slow, but he's not a burner. You know what he did? He just played football really well. And he, when he needed to go around guys, he did, including guys that run like a 4-4, like Kevin King, who we love because he's super fast. Or when he needs to run through guys like Darnell Savage, who's, you know, super fast. Dude ran a 4-3-6. How much did that help him when he got Mack trucked in the face? Didn't help him too much. Raheem Mostert running a 4-4-2. I mean, he's pretty quick. But if we're going to sit here and pretend that that's why we got beat because he runs a 4-4-2 instead of, what, a 4-4-5? I mean, let's honestly think about this for one second. The difference between a 4-4-2 in straight line speed and a 4-5 is 8 hundredths of a second. And I'm not talking 8 hundredths of a second over the course of, you know, a foot. We're talking over the course of a 40-yard stretch. So take 8 hundredths of a second and spread it out over 40 yards. There's no discernible difference between those two things. We're not getting beat by this guy who, by the way, had like 160 yards before contact because of a lack of speed. They got blocked into oblivion. And most of the time, when when guys have linebackers that can get there, you can make up a lot more ground by running in that direction and taking the right angles. In other words, running there sooner because you diagnose the play, you know, an entire a whole second faster, and then run at the right angle with absolute certainty, not like, oh, I'm going to kind of lean this way a little bit and then jog this way, and then, okay, now he's going, and now it's too late. Watch guys like Luke Keekley or Ray Lewis. That dude saw... A, a left guard flinched. He knew exactly what the play was, where to go, and he sprinted in the correct direction and smoked a guy in the backfield. Ray Lewis ran a 4-5-8. Well, 4-5-1, but also a 4-5-8. Whatever, 4-5. You're telling me he couldn't catch Raheem? Well, Raheem had uh, nine hundredths of a second on him. I don't think Ray Lewis had what it took to give it, bring him down. Get out of my face! That has nothing to do with anything. Jair has speed. Kevin King has speed. Oren Burks, by the way, has speed. Guess what? He can't even get on the field. And he doesn't look like he has speed when he's on the field. You know why? Because the mental processing isn't there. That's where 90% of the speed comes from. Upstairs. 90% I made up, but seriously. Now, it's great when you can marry the two. right? If you're super fast mentally and physically, that's, I mean, that's a bonus. Josh Jones, super fast, right? Yeah, he's going to be great. Runs a 4-4-2. Except the mental processing wasn't there, so he looked like the slowest guy on the field. Because he was! Because his straight-line 40 time meant nothing when he went on the field. Luke Keekley runs a 4-5-8. Granted, for a linebacker, that's pretty quick. But the point is, it's not about your speed versus my speed. The guy, he just processes and goes. I don't care if Blake runs a 4-7. If that dude knew where to go and ran as fast as he could, he would get behind the line and tackle somebody. He's done it before. I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything. I'm just saying I'm tired of hearing about it. Because we add speed and speed and speed and speed, and it doesn't mean anything. Look at wide receiver. How many guys, Trevor Davis, Jeff Janis, Marquez, how many times over and over? And by the way, these guys don't play fast. I don't think I've ever seen Janis get behind somebody. Marquez is always tangled up with people. Occasionally, he's a little bit behind somebody. But you know who gets behind people even more? Devontae. He does it because he's a good football player. His straight line speed has nothing to do with it. Marquez will destroy him in a foot race, but it doesn't matter when you get on the field. And so having guys that can play faster is fine. I just, I'm, I'm just beyond over it. I'm talking about the, the players and the, or the, uh, the personnel guys as well. 
I'm tired of being the Raiders, just getting guys that run fast, that can't play football. I'm beyond over it. Give me a good football player. If you need a high baseline of athleticism, in other words, if you're slower than this, you're just not going to cut it on our defense or our offense, that's fine. But don't just grab a 4-2 guy because he's a 4-2 guy. I've done this before, but let me do it again. The average wide receiver runs a 40 time at about 4-5-3. The highest graded wide receiver via PFF was Michael Thomas, runs a 4-5-7. Not 4-2, not 4-2-5, not 4-3-5, not even 4-4, a 4-5-7. There's another guy on the Saints team by the name of Deontay Harris. He ran the 40 time in a 4-3-5. He graded out as the 124th best wide receiver. Why isn't he better than his counterpart, Michael Thomas? Because speed doesn't matter. Now look, Tyreek Hill is super fast. And there's no question that a big part of the reason he's good is because he's fast, but he's not good because he's fast. It just amplifies things. If you're really good and also fast, it makes you even better. It means there's a couple other things you can do. There's certain things Tyreek Hill can do and threaten the defense with that Michael Thomas probably can't. That's probably true in the reverse, by the way. But if you're not a good wide receiver, but you're super fast, guess what that makes you? A really fast, garbage wide receiver. Same is true for linebacker. Same is true across the board. And so for me, if I'm looking for speed, I could not care any less about 40 time. I care about play speed. How quickly as a linebacker you can diagnose the play is going to mean a lot more to me than what you run in the 40. And so understand, I'm not opposed to speed. Ray Lewis and Luke Keekley are both fast for linebacker. Point I was making about that is they're not as fast as the running backs, but it doesn't matter. So you might be able to say there's again there's a line. If the average you know linebacker runs a four seven, maybe we need you to run a, a four six five or at least a four seven. Right, that's average. So Blake, you run a four seven one. Sorry, the cutoff's four seven. I'm I'm not opposed to that. Again, the point is I just don't want to reach on a linebacker in the third round because Oren Burks is really fast and athletic. I'm just tired of it like trading up in the second round to get a super athletic offensive tackle that can't get on the field. So bottom line is I'm just really tired of hearing about it. Speed is not the Packers' problem. They have drafted speed after speed after speed after speed after speed. I'm not opposed to it. I'm excited that Darnell Savage is fast, and it can help in a lot of ways. But his development from here on out, whether or not he stays as a mediocre safety or develops into an elite safety, has everything to do with what he does upstairs. It has nothing to do with how fast he runs. That just has to do with his ceiling, which is already high, but he has to be able to get to that ceiling. Otherwise, he's just a fast safety that's kind of not great, kind of mediocre. I'm excited for what he did as a rookie. Now he's got to grow. He's got to take it to that next level. Jair, at the end of the day, when he's playing good at corner, it has nothing to do with his speed. A lot of times it's in real tight, short, quick areas. Right When we see Jair or Kevin King get burned by a guy, it has nothing to do with speed. In fact, speed is... is not even helping. When you see somebody run a double move and Kevin King's behind the guy, how often does he catch him? Pretty close to zero. It's not going to help. You got to be able to stick on the guy because the fact of the matter is you being five hundredths of a second faster is not going to help you gain five yards on a guy that's got you beat. It's just not. So again, I'm not opposed to it. I just really want this, this team to focus on really good football players and if anything, put less emphasis on speed. Not slow, but I'm saying less emphasis on speed. Because like I've said with guys like Marquez, there's a reason guys like that fall as late as he did. His height and speed and everything else, all, all that put together is really, really rare. So why didn't he go earlier? Because there's deficiencies elsewhere. In other words, when you get that late, you can find guys with physical deficiencies 
that just seem to produce. You can get guys that didn't produce and don't seem to be good football players, but they've got a lot of athleticism, and maybe we can turn them into something. We always seem to lean toward the athleticism. It's almost like an arrogance with this team that we can coach anybody to play. As long as you have the tools, we can coach you. And by the way, this does fall on Rashawn Gary as well. As much as I'm not giving up on the guy, and I think he has a lot of talent or potential, the fact of the matter is he didn't perform that well in college. He didn't impress that many people, but physically, he's just an absolute freak. So now it's a matter of the coaches saying, oh yeah, I can train I can train him up, man. We can get him going. Well, year one, not too much. Maybe next year. I don't know. I, I just... I, I just, I cringe every time I hear it now. We need more speed. Like, please stop saying that. So let, let me give you a tiny example of what I'm talking about before we move on. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm fully embracing the fact that I am not a NFL scout, a college football scout. I'm not, I'm not that. In fact, I've, I've almost come to the point where I've embraced the fact that I just have certain guys that I like, and I know they're not going to be good. Raekwon Davis is just a me kind of guy probably he's one of those guys that if he goes to the right team he'll have a role that's about that's fine though but one guy that's standing out to me at wide receiver is by the name of uh kj hamler now i think he's probably going to run a relatively fast 40 time i think um just by googling it the expectation is around 443 so pretty quick but I, I, the point is, I didn't Google his 40 time first. The point is, I watch the guy, and every time he comes off the line, he gets open. He's got a lot of burst, and he's super shifty. And I just want a guy that always has a way of getting away from people. And there's always a question of, well, can you do that? In the pro- oh, whatever, I don't know. Point is, that's the difference to me. You, you can line up a bunch of guys, and I've done this. You know, it's, oh, this guy's super quick. And I go watch him, and it's like, oh, watch, he's going to be super quick. And he's, just, he's covered all the time. The super quick doesn't mean anything to me. He's probably going to run on the four threes. That's cool, might be super beneficial, but I find it strange that this guy who's going to run a 4-3-9 is always covered. Whereas this guy, who's a small shifty guy who apparently is slower, runs a 4-4-3, always open. Especially in short areas, right? Just flying open to that open area, and he's just he's just open all the time. I can't do a film breakdown for you on that. I don't know the offensive system and how that comes into play. I don't care. The guy's always open, so I like him. That's simple. I just want guys that have the ability to separate. I don't care if he runs a 4-3-3, a 4-4-3, or a 4-6-3. A 4-6-3 might be concerning. But, you know, 4-5-3. Anywhere in that spectrum, I look at it and say, fine, good, great, don't care, he's open. So that's going to be my standard this year. Because I've just had too many years of getting excited and hyped up about how athletic this person is. You're not going to believe their spark score. Oh my goodness, this is incredible. And then at the end of the day, they're just football players. It's like in, in our minds, we expect them, because they run five hundredths of a second faster than someone, we expect to see them like in Madden, when you got somebody with 99 speed, that's, you know, 400 pounds because it's hilarious, just sprinting down the field past everybody. Except that's just not how it works. Unless you're Tyreek Hill, because then, then, that, then that's exactly how that works. I think when you get into the 4-2-4 category, that's when you can start to see the, start to see the speed, the blowing past people's speed. But again, even at 4-2-4, the guy has to still be a good football player. If you guys remember John Ross, he ran a 4-2-2. Does anybody know who he plays for? Does anybody care? No. He was a ninth overall pick running a 4-2-2. He caught 28 passes for 506 yards and three touchdowns. Now, to be fair, he's a Bengal, so it's possible this dude's going to blow up next year after they draft Joe Burrow, and he's going to be the next Tyreek Hill. That's possible, in which case, fine. Anytime a four, anytime a guy running a 4-2 comes along... You just draft them. Maybe that's the case. But I, I think I've made my point kind of clear here. 
And I'll agree, speed is important, but what I care about is play speed, not 40 times. And that's, to be fair, that's exactly what everybody's talking about. Blake is just too slow. You're talking about his 40 time. What we should be talking about is mental processing. Or, in, in some cases, just aggressiveness. It's not that he doesn't know. It's that he's just hanging out waiting. Oh, boy, when he comes through that hole, I'm going to smoke him. That has nothing to do with his 40 time or his mental processing. That's just about, go get him, dude. He's sitting around for. Kevin King, again standing and waiting for him to come to him so that hopefully he can make a tackle. Whereas the 49ers guys ran and attacked and brought our guys down. I don't have to Google their 40 time because I don't care because it doesn't matter. It's just about there he is. I'm going to go get him and I'm going to take out his knees. And they did. 40 time does not play into that. Speed in general doesn't play into that. You're in the area. You run at the right angle. You tackle with good form and good, you know, fundamentals. And then the guy goes down and they lose yards. Speed had nothing to do with any of that. Aaron Jones doesn't have a ton of speed. Doesn't matter. Does anybody care? Again, if if if, if Aaron Jones had four two five speed, it would be a, a big benefit. But he doesn't, and it's fine. Anyways, you get my point. I got to get off this, or I'm just going to keep repeating myself over and over again. Anyways, um, let's take our second break real quick, and then I want to go to the Facebook group and see what's going on over yonder. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Today's show is sponsored by The Athletic, a subscription-based sports news site for real sports fans. As I said, this is the time when things like research and subscription-based things can kind of be justified. There's plenty of material during the regular season. In the off-season, though, when you need in-depth information and we really got to do deep dives, this would be the time to really start to check out things like The Athletic. They've got some top-tier local and national writers. And again, the benefit of a subscription-based thing is that because they're not dependent on ad revenue, they don't really need clickbait articles. They don't need to do what a lot of these national people do with with uh, television shows and whatever else, where I'm going to be as scandalous as possible because the more people I can attract here, both positively and negatively, you know, people share it and, and read it just to spew hatred, that's fine because I'm still making money. They don't have to do that. Their job is to come up with quality to justify the subscription. And when you subscribe, you're going to get a personalized feed. So when you subscribe, you just download the Athletic app, pick your favorite team, and they're going to build that feed and and pump you full of news that you need based on your preferences. When you subscribe, you're also going to get the Athletic's complete library of written, audio, and video content covering professional and college sports at a national and local level. Right now, you can get 40% off a yearly subscription to theathletic.com slash overtime. Again, go to theathletic.com slash overtime and get your yearly subscription for 40% off. That's all lowercase spelling, by the way. 
So looking at the Facebook group again, make sure you're in the Facebook group. It is Facebook slash groups slash Pod. But I had asked a question in there, um, just where is everybody's head at? And surprisingly, mostly positive. Kind of didn't expect that based on what you're seeing on Twitter and everywhere else on Facebook. But for the most part, it was, it was relatively positive. Justin pointed out a very critical point and something that's going to come up several times in the offseason. And that is the fact that a lot of our core guys are locked up. The fact of the matter is, from one year to the next, almost every team is going to regress naturally. The question is, can you A, at least stay afloat through free agency in the draft, or B, improve? And we've seen a lot of times teams that are really, really bad who have everything laid out for them. they got all the early picks. They usually have a ton of money because what's the point in signing guys to massive contracts when everyone's trash? But they still can't quite get up there. And so the Packers are situated really, really well. Nothing's guaranteed. We don't know if our GM's going to be able to get good guys in the draft or in free agency. But everything's laid out just right. we got to remember that, you know, we can look at it and say, well, there's so many holes, which is, of course, debatable. But you got to look at other teams who are successful, as in made it to the playoffs, that are now faced with, like the Vikings, we have, first of all, negative money, which of course is going to change, they're going to make some cuts or whatever, but the ability to add talent is is minimal. The question for them is, how in the world do we retain our talent? They're one of, I think, two or three teams that have negative money at this particular point in time. So they got to make cuts and, and restructure contracts just to get above the, the salary cap. And then from there, it's a question of how do we retain guys? but still have enough money to sign our draft picks. And usually, as I've said, you want to have you know 8 to $10 million going into the season left over so that you can sign people in um, you know when things get kind of tough. So the Packers aren't in that situation. They don't have $80 million. They're not super high as far as salary cap, but they have more than enough to, if we want to re-sign guys, we can. Maybe dip the toe in free agency a little bit. Probably not a, a, a blockbuster signing, but we don't really need, I mean, we don't need a quarterback or a pass rusher. So the big money, $25, $30 million signings, we don't really need anyways. If we wanted to dip our toe in with a 10 to $15 million, and then, you know, of course, this year you pay him $5, 6 $7 million, I think that's doable. And so the Packers are in a very good situation. The guys that got us where we are are going to be here next year. We're going to be able to lock up guys long-term like Kenny. There was a little bit of talk about, you know, Kenny made the comments up to the effect of, I'm looking for somebody to break the ice. So apparently there hasn't even been conversations yet, which is a little bit scary. The Packers in the past have been very, very good about locking up guys and doing it relatively early so we don't have to deal with this holdout stuff. But it was very clear, um, despite the fact Kenny's saying that he doesn't think it's going to come to that and that's not his, who he is, he made it very clear he'd be willing to do that. He didn't say, no, I'm not doing that. He just said, I hope it doesn't come to that. And uh, I really hope that as well. But I don't think it will. Uh, Danny pointed out that the hot take right now is that Petten needs to be fired, but the focus really needs to be on the draft and free agency, and I agree. I, I want to touch on it because it's what everybody's saying because everybody's angry, but I really think the fact of the matter is adding some talent to this team because we all know that there are deficiencies. Um, that really needs to be the main focus. Again, I'm, I'm not opposed to the idea, and if the Packers choose to do it, I trust their judgment, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, th- I, I know the Packers' defense did improve. Whether or not that had everything to do with Brian Gutekunst and nothing to do with Petten, I don't know. But I, I really think that that's going to be the main focus of these guys is adding even more talent uh, to the offense and the defense, especially the offense. But, uh, you know, at least a linebacker would be nice. And I'm excited to, to move my focus more and more into that, especially I think starting tomorrow. We'll see. There's, there's so many little projects I want to get going. 
and I don't know how long some of these things are going to take, but I'm hoping to start really diving into some of that stuff tomorrow. Might actually start with coaching, but uh, anyways, we'll see. Something else I kind of wanted to point out, and I'll, I'll, well, let me, this is what Charlie said, and it, it doesn't really directly have anything to do with what he said, but it, it triggered something. So here's, here's what he is. He said, the season exceeded all of our expectations, and we enjoyed some outstanding moments, like victories in Minnesota and Dallas, sweeping our division rivals, putting the hurt on Seattle, etc. It'll be a fun offseason. I can't wait to see what Gutekunst, Aaron Rodgers, the flower? Who's the flower? Is it supposed to be LaFleur, or are you doing talk to text? <laughs> Let's start calling him the flower from now on. And Zedarius bring next year. Um, here, here's kind of a thought. The Packers were 13-3 and and ended up getting to 14 wins in the postseason. A lot of these games were very close, and it's it's to their benefit that they can win close games. We, we talked about that a thousand times. The next level for this team, though, is to be a dominant team. And I think the thing to get excited about is the fact that they can get there. This was a team that, that was good, not great, but just had a killer instinct. And because of some of the talent, like Zadarius and Preston, you know, getting those, those great third-down sacks, being great in the red zone, because of things like that, they were able to pull out victories. But in, at no time this season did it ever really feel like this team was dominant. Even when the defense was dominant against the Vikings and against the Bears and things, it was still close and the offense usually couldn't even get going. There is still so much potential for this team to grow to be a dominant squad. And that's offensively and defensively. Both sides have the potential to grow in that regard. There's still that ability to get to come out next year and be that team that goes up 40 to, to 17. And I, maybe it's just me. Maybe everyone else is already on board with this. But I, I tend to forget. I feel like these things aren't possible. I feel like, well, we'll maybe hit on like one or two draft picks and then be a little bit better, but still not great. There's no reason the Green Bay Packers can't become the New Orleans Saints or the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't necessarily mean quite that good on offense, but just a, a team that has an offensive system and the players to execute so that when we move down the field, there's nothing really you can do to stop us. I mean, the Packers have been that team in the past with this quarterback, by the way. And even if he is falling off a little bit, so what? Drew Brees is enjoying some of the best years of his entire career. He's playing some of the best football he's ever played. So while Drew Brees kind of, you know, he never really fell off, there's certainly some kind of a rejuvenation, whether it's because of the talent around him or a new scheme or Alvin Kamara or whatever it is, he's suddenly becoming the best version of himself. And again, we look at the Chicago Bears and what they were able to do in their third year to go from 24th to 9th to 1st. The Packers have gone from 22nd to 9th to, I don't know, let's see. And that, that's really part of the reason that I love this time of year. If you're not into that and you're just rolling your eyes saying, no, that's not going to happen, I don't know, maybe we just view this differently. The off season for me is a time to dream. Not just unrealistically, but to look, step back and say, okay, if there's going to be a team that takes a step and, and, and joins the Saints and joins the 49ers and joins the Chiefs and joins the Ravens as this dominant team, who would it be? Who would you put your money on? There's more than likely going to be a team. Who would it be? Titans would make sense unless you already think they're there. Dallas, possibly. Minnesota, maybe. But the odds of them, I mean, I think their goal is just to stay even. Plus, you have Kirk Cousins playing some of the better football he's ever played, and they just lost their offensive coordinator, so I don't know that that would be the best bet. The Patriots, apparently Tom Brady's not even coming back. He says he's not going to resign with them. What, what are the Patriots going to be? That's not a good bet. The Rams are falling apart. The Eagles are in the process of rebuilding. The Buccaneers are about to go find a new quarterback because that ain't working. The Broncos don't have an offense. The Seahawks have been declining every year, and it's basically a quarterback dragging their team. The Colts need to find a quarterback. The Steelers are self-destructing. The Bills don't have an offense. 
I mean, if you want to bet on them building an offense and building around their quarterback who's not very good, that's fine. But I don't know that that would be my bet a bet ahead of the Packers. The, 40, the Falcons need to tear down and rebuild, and they refuse to. The Chargers, possibly, if they can get a new quarterback that's actually really talented. Not that I even think Phillip Rivers is that bad, but it's just not working with whatever they've got. The Bears are sticking with Trubisky, so unless year four is going to be his year, I don't know. They still don't have a first-round pick, and they don't have any money, so the odds of actually building and growing are very rare. They just got to, or very unlikely, they just have to try to find a way to make what they have work, which hasn't worked. The Raiders, the entire roster, has got a lot of work to do. They've made progress, but they've got a long way to go. The Giants, terrible team. I, I think they're going to take a step, or at least they can, but do we think that they're going to pass the Packers? Are the Lions going to, with Matt Stafford in that group? The Browns, maybe, if you really want to buy into that whole thing. But I don't trust their leadership to make good decisions when you got to submit your game plan on Friday to the analytics department for approval. It just doesn't feel right. Like, oh, sorry, start over. The, the numbers say that's not going to work. The Jets with Adam Gase, the Cardinals, the Redskins, the Panthers, Jaguars, Bengals, Dolphins. Who has the best chance next year to come back and, and be the Saints, to be the 49ers? We know stuff changes every year. We go into the season with assumptions, and then it just doesn't turn out that way. Nobody expected anything from the Ravens this year, and suddenly they're the best team in football. The Titans were a joke before they almost went to the Super Bowl. The 49ers had the second overall pick last year. They're in the Super Bowl right now. Nothing stays the same. The question is, where are you putting your money? If you were to bet on a team that's going to take that step and be a legit, serious contender, would you really not put your money, at least some of your money, on the team that went 13-3 and in their first year with Matt LaFleur? A defense that's all brand spanking new guys. Nobody has more than two years' experience in this defense, and half the, half the team has only one year of experience, and the entire offense has only one year of experience in their system. And they go 13-3 and three by winning basically playoff game. Even if they're bad teams, if it comes down to the wire and you're winning by three points, that's playoff football. That's despite not having the talent, despite not having the discipline, despite not having the know-how to figure out how all this works, we're still finding ways to win. So they have that intrinsic Super Bowl caliber quality. It's just a matter of making the talent reach the, the level it needs to get to. How do we raise the talent up a little bit? A lot of it is going to be internal. The guys we have growing, but then we add another wide receiver, hopefully a very good one. Let's go out and get a defensive tackle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squeal like a little girl if we draft Raquan Davis. And then suddenly, guess what? The Packers have a dominant front four. Kenny Clark, Raquan, Preston, Zadarius. Maybe some of you guys get your wish that, that Rashawn Gary puts his hand in the dirt, you know, 95% of the time. Bottom line is, I mean, realistically, I mean, even if you were to go talk to the people who said the Packers don't have it, that's fine. Ask them realistically. Uh, granted, they, they weren't on that, that upper echelon. Fine, granted, got it. Of the teams that are second tier or lower, which one is most likely to get into the first tier? I think it's it's foolish to not have the Packers relatively high on that list. The Dallas Cowboys kind of make sense, but you got to factor in Mike McCarthy as being a massive unknown, whereas Matt LaFleur, we've seen the first year, and it's going very well. It's possible the Dallas Cowboys could regress, and they got to figure out, first of all, they don't even, we don't even know if Amari Cooper's coming back. There's several people that need to get paid that probably aren't getting paid for Dallas. What happens if they lose Randall Cobb and Amari Cooper and their tight end, who's 500 years old? And by the way, apparently Mike McCarthy is not even calling plays. This whole thing doesn't even make sense. Oh, yeah, I took a year off, got it all figured out. I know what we're doing. I'm going to, you just trust me. It's going to be great. 
All right, Mike, you got the keys, man. Take over. All right, first order of business. You keep doing your job. You you there. You, boy. You will be calling the plays. The guy who was calling the plays last year when the offense wildly underperformed. You will keep calling the same plays. And then I will hire a defensive coordinator to call the defensive plays, and I will be here to just boost morale. I'm going to give these locker room speeches that will shake you to your core. Because actually, in the offseason, I have studied poetry. I also watched 300 like a thousand times. Super good movie. I'm going to be dropping 300 quotes regularly. We're going to be fighting in the shade all the time, right, before every game. Cowboys, what is your profession? And then they have to grunt at me. It's going to be so good. I don't know. Probably not where I'm putting my money, but if you want to, that's on you. Anyways, I'm way over time. Point is, there's every reason to be excited, and if you're not, just ask ask and answer that question for yourself. Look at all the other teams and say, okay, it's not the Packers then. The Packers aren't going to get any better. Fine. Who is? Who's going to be the next up-and-coming team? Because my standard of doing things, and it's been proven relatively true, is find a team that got into the playoffs that surprised you. Last year, that team was the Baltimore Ravens. That's public record. I kind of looked at the Baltimore Ravens crosswise like, Really? That's weird that they're here. I didn't expect them to be here. What are they doing this year? This year, it's the Tennessee Titans and probably the Green Bay Packers. What are you guys doing here? Just saying. Third place team that couldn't get to 800 with a quarterback that supposedly washed up and a new head coach. One of the worst defenses in football. Did you think they were going to get to the playoffs? Here, here, Here's a final thought. None of us thought that Brian Gutekunst could get this team where it is. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Give him the benefit of the doubt and all the leadership the benefit of the doubt that they can surprise us one more time. With that, talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.